the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm saved. I'm saved no more to suffer loss. You're saved like that criminal on the cross, or you're like the other guy. And here's the good news. He loves you today just like that criminal on the cross, and he wants to give you what he gave him on that day. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And so really what you have here is the best picture of the divisions of humanity that we have anywhere in human history. Because our biggest division is not geography. I love the fact that as we've gathered to worship today, we may have nearly 70 nations represented here. But that's not our biggest difference. Our biggest difference is not race, because ultimately, we really are just one race. We're the human race, and our skin colors, that's not the biggest difference that we have. Our biggest difference is not our economic background, though there are some in this room who may be homeless. There are others who have been blessed beyond measure. Our biggest difference is not our political affiliation. Our biggest difference is which side of the cross we're on. Where we are in relation to Jesus. Which side are you on? Where would you have been that day? Just picture yourself in the moment for a second. Which of the criminals? If you just look back to this last week. Let's just take a snapshot. Your attitude. Your actions. Which of the criminals would you most likely be? Where are you today? Truth is, we're all like these criminals on the cross. I know you don't like that, but that's what the Bible teaches. In fact, there's a a great verse in the Bible. It's Romans 3.23, and here's what it says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed God's intent. We've broken His law. And when you break his law, you are what? A criminal. Yeah. And so we're all in the same boat. Same circumstance in that spiritual setting. I I peeked in on our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Friday evening. What a burgeoning and growing ministry in our church and some of you misunderstand what that's about because it's not just a group who struggle with addictions and alcohol or or drugs so that's a part of it it's really a, a ministry that's designed to help us recognize that every one of us have hurts habits and hang-ups in our life that if left untouched will make us far from God that meets on Friday evenings I'd love for you to be a part of that it's free um 
but I love that recognition that there's something in all of us that cries out saying, man, I, I need God. Do you ever just stop and realize, man, I'm a criminal? <laughs> now, <clears throat> some of you, that means something different <laughs> because uh, just the facts in the U.S., we have more people in prison than anywhere in the world except, we're number two, except Russia. So the way that plays out, either 20 or 25% of American citizens have a criminal record. And this is where you're scared to death that I'm going to say, raise your hand if that's you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that today. But think about that. If I just statistically look at that, that means it's one in four or one in five at best of this crowd. Criminal record. But whether you got a record or not, in the eyes of God, you're a criminal. And I've got good news. God loves criminals. Jesus loves criminals. So what happened? <laughs> hey, it's easy it's easy to get skeptical when we hear about a deathbed conversion or a deathbed conversation. Because that's so against everything we think about because we're like, man, I I, I got to be holy, and so I got to go to church, and I got to put something in the offering plate, and I, I've got to pray, and I got to memorize scripture, and I got to know the words of the songs, and know when to raise my hand, and, and when to st- sit down, and when to, I mean, and we've put all these things. So, bless God, if I hear of somebody that you're telling me they got they lived however they wanted to, and they got saved on their deathbed, can't be. We don't like it. And that's what Max Lucado said, great pastor, great author. That's what he said. When he heard the story of the last days of Jeffrey Dahmer. You know that name? Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer, the mass murderer. He was from Wisconsin. He, he murdered many people. He raped a lot of them. He dismembered them. And then he ate some of them. About as... Bad as you could get, right? Allegedly, while he was in prison, he made a profession of faith. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, he got religion. How convenient. That's what I would think, too. I'm, I'm what I just described. But when Roy Ratcliffe, who was the local pastor, was invited to come to the prison and baptize one of the prisoners, he, he had no idea it was Jeffrey Dahmer. He felt the same way when he got there, but he talked to him, and then he baptized him, and then he made a commitment. For a year, he spent an hour every week spending time with Jeffrey Dahmer, praying with him, getting in the scriptures. And that pastor eventually said, you know, I believe it's a true conversion. Hard to believe, yeah, but it sure seems real. Max Lucado is referring to that when, when he writes, I struggle with this idea. I know Jesus is a savior, but could he save somebody that bad? That vicious of a criminal? But he said, I came to the realization that I have to rest in the truth that forgiveness for criminals like Jeffrey Dahmer is at the heart of the gospel. So I don't know where you are on that spectrum. You're probably somewhere in the middle. 
Hopefully you're not on that far end. If so, you're flying under the radar. Watch out. But we're all on that spectrum. So let's get back to our criminal. Let's talk about what he hadn't done. He hadn't walked down an aisle because his feet were nailed to the cross. He hadn't raised his hand because his hands were nailed to the cross. He hadn't gone through church class or catechism. He had not had first communion. Oh, my goodness. He was not baptized. And yet we hear the words of Jesus. Jesus seems to show life-changing grace. So remember the main thing. Jesus loves you like he loves the criminal on the cross. And what he said and did on that day, that's what can give you hope on this day. That can be a life-changing difference maker in your life. So what, what was it that led to that? What was this conversation? One of the criminals was condemning Jesus and the other one was crying out for mercy, for salvation. It's interesting. Both of them were praying. Because Jesus is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. So both of them are talking to God. So that tells me I can be going through motions in relationship to God and not have my focus right. Because the one criminal, he was, he was mockingly crying out for the hand of God where one, all he wanted was the face of God. To see me, Jesus. How did he get there? What made this one criminal different? Let me just give you a few things and then we'll pray and wrap it up. Uh, first of all, he, he saw himself for who he was. And, and that's what I want you to understand. We must see ourselves for who we are. This was his moment of confession. Let me take you back to it. He, he turns to the other criminal and he says, what are you doing? Stop it. This man, he's done nothing, but we are guilty. We are the condemned. Do you not have fear of God? And in those couple of sentences that we have recorded there in Luke 23, we see a perfect example of confession and repentance. There has to be an acknowledgement. Hey, I'm guilty. That's the benefit of, of so many of these recovery programs and, and even celebrate recovery. I, I peeked in and, uh, of course, I won't use a name, but it, it's so cool. I, I didn't know I'd get to see this, but someone kind of stood up behind the lectern and, and they introduced themselves. They said, hi, I'm Paul. And everybody said, yeah. So there's a understanding that you've got to have a recognition I have some hurts. I've got some habits. I've got some hang-ups. I am a sinner. And that sin separates me from God. Now, why does that matter? It matters because of what he said. Do you not fear God? You see, for you to really have confession, there has to be a moment where you understand that Isaiah principle. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And then he talks about the angels, all the seraphim that were filling the temple. And then he said, and me? What about me? Woe is me. I'm undone. God high, me low. That's what the fear of God is about. And not, i got to watch out, he's going to strike me dead with a lightning bolt. 
But it's about understanding his holiness. Because when I understand his holiness, then I recognize I've got to turn. And that's the core event in salvation where I turn from doing it my way, from being the boss, from being in charge, to trying to save myself, to trusting him. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So we see ourselves for who we are. And then that takes us to the second thing is we have to see Jesus for who he was. We must see Jesus for who he is. Think about that day. How Jesus was dying in humility and in grace. Just like he was born, by the way. He was born with animals. He was dying with criminals. He was born on a cave. He's died on a cross. Full of humility, yet full of grace. Man, that's so different from what prominence and platform and popularity look like in our society, isn't it? We're taught just to pull ourselves up and to push ourselves out there, promote ourselves, build our platforms. Not Jesus. So the criminal sees this, and he refers to Jesus in three distinct ways. Let me just give those to you. First, he calls him by his name, Jesus. Now, we know that there would have been other Jesuses living. That was not an uncommon name. However, we also know that the parents of this Jesus were told to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their, from their sins. So Jesus has specific meaning. It, it's a name that means, it's a name that means the one who saves. He says, Jesus, my Savior. And then you don't have this in the translation I just read, but in the original translation, he says, remember me, Kairos. Remember me, Lord. So he calls him Lord. At the heart of salvation is this moment where we begin to understand that he, he has to be our master. We can't be the master of our own fate. If we're going to spend forever with him, he has to be our master. And then there's an acknowledgement because it, he says, Jesus, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Now, what does that imply? He thought Jesus was the king. So all of a sudden, somewhere in the process, whether looking at the sign and seeing the eyes of Jesus, the conviction of God within his heart, begin to call him to say, there is a king that rules and reigns, and he's, he's on a cross right next to me. And, and Jesus, the one who saves, remember me, my Lord. 
when you come into your heaven, King Jesus. And in those few words, he acknowledges that he really sees God in all the ways he needs to see God. There's one more thing, though. You have to see yourselves for how, who you are. You, you have to see God for who he is. But we also must state our desire for God's mercy. So what does he say? Remember me, Lord. Remember me, Lord. Isn't it interesting? He didn't do what Pete, James, and John did. You know those guys, right? Three of the closest disciples. Remember when they were with Jesus? We got a couple different examples of this, actually. One time they get their mama to ask this. I mean, that talk about low. But they're all about which one of us can be at the right and which one of us can be at the left in the kingdom of God. Not this guy. No, he just wants remembrance. Remember me, Jesus. That's his profession. It was personal, and yet it was public. And I think that needs to be something if you're going to be a follower of Christ. So just understand this. I regularly meet people and I begin to talk about their relationship with God, their relationship with Jesus. And maybe they say something like, well, you know, I've always been a Christian and I'm almost 53. So I'm I'm trying to grow and be a nicer person. So I usually don't say this, but I usually want to say, nope, nope, no, you haven't. That's not the way it works. Not according to the Bible. Nobody has always been a, you're not born into the Christian family that way just because your mama or your grandmama was a Christian. It's not about them. This is about you. It has to be personal. So he says, remember me. And what was the response of Jesus? Truly, I say to you, today. <laughs> today. I wonder if he turned to the other criminal. We don't know which side was which, but I wonder if he turned to the other one and just went, today. And then he turns and says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So just understand a couple of things about that. God's mercy and his grace and, and his forgiveness. Man, there are a couple of things that just jump out. Number one, God's grace is immediate. When we ask for his mercy, he says, yes. That's why he created you. You were created for fellowship with him. You were created to walk with him. He wants to show your grace, but you got to ask for it. And then he gives it immediately, today. Isn't that cool? Again, that kind of goes against the way we think. Sure, don't we have to do more? But there's something else. His grace was also intimate. His grace was intimate. Because he said, today you will be what? With me. In Mark 6, Jesus calls the disciples and he says, um, okay, Pete, James, John. He goes down the list. And then it, this is what it says in Mark 6. He calls them what? To teach. He calls them to learn how to pray. 
He calls them to work miracles. He calls them to go start the church when he is resurrected. All of those things are true, but no, that's not what it says. He calls them to be with him. That's what God wants from you. He wants that kind of intimacy. I I hear that and I think about... My mom is is here. I think this is her first time back after a big, big battle with COVID. And um, I just know because we've talked about life and we've talked about death. And and one of the things she's told me is, son, when we celebrate my life, one thing I know is I, I want that song that says these words. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Now, This is about to get good. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, paradise, Jesus is referring to heaven. Don't get caught up. Don't try to think about any other thing. When Paul speaks about paradise in the New Testament, he uses that interchangeably with the word heaven. So today, you're going to be with me in heaven. But paradise had a particular meaning that the people in Jerusalem would have understood as well. Because paradise stood for a walled-in garden. That would always have a gardener present. And when Mary and Martha were at the tomb. And they turned around and somebody said. Presuming he was the gardener. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joys we share as we tarry. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. But this is hard for us to accept because we've been programmed to misunderstand the simplicity of salvation. A a recent Barna survey did research and and they created a document that says what Americans think it means to be a Christian. 10% of Americans think it means to be a good person. 11% think it means to go to church and be religious. 14% think it means to love and to help others. How many of these things had the criminal on the cross done? None. And yet Jesus looked at him and said, hey buddy, I'll see you soon. He didn't say, by the way, you, you've got a record. Um, let's do this. For the first 10,000 years, you're going to be on the backside. I, I sometimes see people and they say, Brother Paul, I'm just, boy, I'd just be grateful if I'd get me a little cabin on the back 40 of heaven. And I just have to say, well, that's sweet, but that's not the way it works. Because when, when we walk with him, he is with us. That's how God's salvation looks. He loves you. He loves me. Just like he loved that criminal on the cross. And what he said and what he did on that day should give you hope this way. I, I love this quote from... Erwin Lutzer, he said, there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin in our past. That's true of the criminal, and it's true for you and me. I was praying yesterday morning with our prayer team that gathers every Saturday, and you could be a part of that, by the way. It's not an exclusive group. 
I was sharing with them that I was, I was preparing this message. I couldn't do so without thinking of that old gospel song. And, and you usually hear it sung a cappella. It's called Criminal on the Cross. Just listen to some of the words. On the judgment day when all the people gather round him and they wait to hear what he will declare. There will never ever be more intense anticipation that has ever happened anywhere. When they call my name to defend my reputation, there's only one thing I can say. I'm a wretch, I'm a worm, I'm a no good sinner. But he said, I'll save you anyway. I'm saved. I'm saved. Like the criminal on the cross. Praise God, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved no more to suffer loss. He said I'd live in paradise and he's taking care of the cost. Hallelujah. I'm saved. I'm saved. Like the criminal on the cross. Hey, we're in two groups today. Either you're saved like that criminal on the cross or you're like the other guy. And here's the good news. He loves you today just like that criminal on the cross. And he wants to give you what he gave him on that day. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.